Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad Podcast, episode number 99, it's all about dealing with grief. Something we all have to deal with as we get older and we lose loved ones and, tra- and tragic accidents and stuff like that. It's a real serious topic. With my guest, Marsha Earhart from the Sterling Rose Sang- Sanctuary, next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley. I really want to thank you for being here. You just listen. It means that. It means a lot to me. And if it's your first time, hey, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Today's topic is kind of a difficult one for most people. It's dealing with grief. It's a tough topic to talk about. So I took a second. I wanted to find the definition of grief. So I checked out psychologytoday.com website. And this is the quote that I'm going to actually read it to you. Grief is an acute pain that accompanies a loss. Because a reflection of what we loved, it can feel all-encompassed. And grief is not limited to loss of people. But when fallen loss of loved ones, it may compound a feeling of guilt, confusion, especially if it's a relationship, like divorce, or a difficult one. Grief can happen. I, I, I lost a job, loss of marriage, loss of pet. In this interview today with Marsha Earhart, the co-founder of the Sterling Rose Sanctuary, like I said in the, uh, in the, the kind of the teaser in this episode, Marsha's also a life coach, grief coach, and trauma coach. I can see why trauma would go with grief because sometimes grief, dealing with grief can come along with a lot of trauma too. Masha lost two sons. So I think she's a little understanding of grief. She has some of the stories to deal with grief and some insights and tips how to kind of work through this stuff. She has a lot of good information. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Masha. Thank you, Jeff, for having me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for being patient with me and my intro. And I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Well, one thing we're going to talk about today, and I think it's real important, like something that we all have to deal with in life and stuff like that is grief. Grief, and in, in some we don't talk about a lot, but a lot of people have to deal with it. What is grief to you? Well, grief to me is when we have had a loss in our life, and it's the internal aspect of that loss. When we mourn, mourning is the external It's what's happened to the internal, what we're feeling about that loss, uh, what we're experiencing from an internal. And then when we have the ability to mourn, it's then externally having the tools so that we can process that grief from within. It's interesting, too. We talk about grief in the sense of loss of death of a parent, death of a child, death of um, even grief and death of the pet, too. But also have different kinds of grief too, like loss of job, loss of uh, family, stuff like yeah. that. Different kinds of grief. I know as you as a mom, you had two sons that passed away, and um, and then you had to deal with grief. And that, and being a parent myself, that'd be the ultimate grief right there. I I wonder how, what kind of tools, and what kind was your kind of experience when you dealt with that? Well, uh, our first son who passed in 2014 passed tragically in a car accident. And literally what I can tell you, life changes on a dime. In that moment, who we were as a family no longer existed. It's an overwhelming sense of a loss of a piece of yourself. 
And I've had a mother and a father and friends who've passed away. The loss of a child has a completely different aspect of grief that I had never experienced in my life. And so, you know, in my first 18 years of life, I had 17 deaths, of which most of them were traumatic deaths. So it's not like I hadn't experienced loss and grief. But in that moment, I felt like we needed a place for my family to have healing and to be able to go somewhere away from our home because he was living with us going to law school. And it was just so painful because every day you're expecting that familiarity and the, the relationship aspect. And so as I started looking and reaching out, there was nowhere for a family to go. Now, a husband and wife could go away and have a weekend or a long, long, you know, four or five days. There were camps for kids to go to. But Joe, after losing uh, our son, the oldest and the one who made the most impact, honestly, through our children and our family, we didn't want to be separated. We needed to do this together. We needed to do it as a unit. We needed to, to have that ability. And there was nowhere. So having a counseling background and family relation background and some of the other stuff I had done in the past, I just started implementing tools that I knew and tools are necessary because grieving is going to be a process of our life continually until we all go. How did you explain to your younger, your younger son, um, the death of your oldest son? The morning that uh, we, we, the, the sheriff came at around um, 2 a.m., and, and that moment, the next morning, our daughter had awakened and she was there hearing all this. The next morning, our son was 12 and we all went in his bedroom and we sat down with him and we shared with him that Sterling, a tragic accident had happened. And we do have a strong faith. And our son was a believer in Jesus. And we told him that he had gone to his eternal home and he would no longer be with us. And um, I just remember because in that moment, he had to go from being a child to living an adult life and, and carrying an adult burden. And he just, he wept as Sterling was his best friend and Sterling called him his mini me. And he just said, I know that God is good and I know I'll see him again. And so we talked in dialogue from that day on, we had open dialogue. And I think the problem becomes most families don't have open dialogue. We find that with people we work with, everybody's trying to do me. Because me's hard. Yeah. You've got a lot of things going on in me, but then you've got all these other people within your family and you've got to know how to incorporate them so that y'all stay in us. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense because a lot of, I mean, I'm going to think about it internally too, especially being a parent to tell the child that it's like when they tell the grandparents passed away and stuff like that <laughs> and right. have that conversation with them, a young child. And then you said that also being, being telling that adult burden. What do you mean by adult burden? I'm kind of curious about that. Well, because I think our society, if we look at other cultures and other societies, they deal with grief really on an almost everyday level in a much more fierce way, I would say, than we do. 
and it's part of their culture to discuss, embrace, and, and that's incorporated in their lifestyle. In the United States, that's not the way it is here. Um, most people shy away from those conversations. They're uncomfortable with it. And it's something that we want for people to get over. We don't understand it's a process that's going to be ongoing, that it's a getting through. There's never a getting over because if you love someone, you're not going to get over that love. You're, you're not going to get over the fact that you've had a relationship and that that relationship, even though that person may be gone, that relationship to you is still ongoing because you have the memories and you're wanting to make memories also in memory of that person. And so, but people stop talking about it. And what I have found is various cultures, uh, the Hispanics, the Cubans, they talk and embrace death and grief in a very different manner. And even the Italian families that we've, we've had, they're, they're expressive. And, it, and I feel like our country could learn quite a bit from others. And so I've, I've listened and I've learned from that. And even in that, I've tried to incorporate those things because we need to be okay and open and honest about this discussion of when someone passes, how do we walk side by side and stay in the game instead of being uncomfortable and going, well, you know, it's been two years and they're just still not over it. So I'm not comfortable being around them. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, I can relate to my mom passed away a couple of years ago and stuff like that. And that's the first real, um, I had grandmothers and great aunts pass away. You knew they were old and, and you knew they were going to pass eventually. I hate to say it, but you know, it's going to happen. Uh-huh. And, and, but with somebody close to you, like your parent, and, and it's also, this is the first time I've ever experienced grief in a way that it's like a wall. You can't talk to them anymore. You can't see them anymore, but you know, they're in heaven, but you can't touch them. It's just, it's a different kind of feeling, a different kind of grief than my grandparents or my great aunt that passed away. Well, with different losses, and you've just touched on parents, I think, and someone said this to me, she said, when my, when her last parent died, she said, I now feel like an orphan. And we discussed that. And I said, let's talk about that. And she shared with me, she said, I don't have a parent anymore to call. And it's odd because that parent's been there the majority of my life. And, and I validated and affirmed and entered in with her because I understood that. And I think part of this is even if, and, and at that point, my mom too, I mean, my parents, my mother had not passed. And when my mother passed, I remember what she said, but the reality is we're going to all have different experiences and what you feel doesn't make it right or wrong. I need to have the ability and the capacity to enter into your grief. And I think capacity is a big word we need to talk about because really culturally, most people are so overwhelmed, Joe, they don't have capacity because they haven't dealt with their own grief and losses from past. So what happens is if you have a grief and you don't are lost and you are grieving, but you don't deal with the grief and you don't have the tools and then you have another loss. Now we have complicated grief. I never thought of it that way. That's interesting too. Also too, he knows interesting fact too. Like when you, for example, I'll hear my mom again. People don't know what to say, and they always feel awkward and what awkward and when saying stuff. Like, so they say, "I'm sorry for your loss," but they really want to say they want to say our stuff, but it's kind of like a cliche thing they they say. Um, one of the things that I say, and and this came from a man who I really listened hard to him. He got mad when people would say, "I'm sorry," 
his his daughter had committed suicide and they would say, I'm sorry. And he goes, what are you sorry for? I mean, it didn't have anything to do with you. And he just got really angry with people. And he said, I don't want people, I mean, you can be sorry that you lost your, your book or your this, but sorry just doesn't measure up. And it's demeaning in a way when you're saying that. And so I heard him and he said, I would rather them just say, I want to be present for you. But one of the things that I say to people is I'm heart holding you right now because I've had loss. And the only thing what I can do is I can heart hold you. I can be present in your life. I can be a support system for you. I can be present in the manner that you need for me to be. And if you want for me to talk, I will talk. If you want me just to sit and listen, I will sit and listen. And sometimes people say things to me and I'll just sit there and, and I'll and I just go, I, I would love to hear more about that. And they that's all they really want is for for someone to be interested, like about your mom. You want someone that hasn't met your mom to go, well, Joe, what was one of the things that you love most about your mom? What was one of the most profound things that she left in your life? And Joe, what was one of the most profound things? I mean, let's talk about that. What did what kind of impact did your mom make that today it's defined you as who you are? Oh, my mom was a hard worker. Even though she had all her issues and demons, she was a hard worker. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that impacted your life. And that's something that you do in memory and celebration of your mom. So I think it's important that we, we look at each person's loss and we enter that loss. Never thought of it that way. I have another interesting question for you. You've lost, like I said, you have some loss in your life. Do you remember what it was like before the loss? Um, what I can tell you is the first loss I had was when I was three and a half. And that was so etched in my mind. And I think I kind of, there was a place where, because it was so difficult for me as a child, it, it caused some things. But when I got in college, I kept having a repetitive dream. And I went to my mother and I said, I keep having this repeating dream. And she said, that's not a dream. Uh, my great grandmother passed at a hundred. Oh, wow. And she, my father carried me in to the, uh, funeral home and I saw her laying in the casket and I got very upset and I was crying. I wanted to know why she was still. And my father said, well, she's gone home to be with the Lord. And I said, well, then I want to go home and be with the Lord. And at this time, I mean, I didn't understand all of that ramifications and what that meant. And, and he goes, well, you can, I said, well, why can't I, she has, and I want to go. I mean, cause I knew I had heard enough but what ended up happening is it put a fear of death in me, but it also caused an impression in my head, a visual that was scary for me as a child. And so that was the beginning of those 17 losses that I experienced growing up. So I feel like God really has prepared my path to be who I am today, to be able to enter in and to talk to people about their grief, to help them with those tools. Cause I, I also am a trauma coach as well, because grief can cause trauma. Loss causes trauma and it doesn't, and it can be trauma from a job loss. And right now, as we're seeing the culture with the uh, African-Americans, we can look and say, what's happening is there's been loss upon loss and that grief that they have had all of a sudden, if it's not dealt with the anger that comes out because 
we want someone to enter in and say, it's okay. We want someone to, to come side by side and help us walk through it. So it gives us a picture of what happens when we don't have those tools. It becomes unleashed in a moment where all of a sudden it's just been one more trauma on other traumas that have happened. Well, it's interesting too. You talk about the situation with the African-American community with all the stuff going on in the news right now and trauma, but is there, there's good ways and there's bad ways. There are. There good are. Ways. This, is, this is acting out, but in grief, we act out. That's and true. I mean, people act out in grief. And that's the, the sad thing is because they haven't had the tools and they haven't had the support and they haven't felt heard and the validation. And it's kind of like a child. If, if I haven't, if I don't know how to deal with something as a child, I'm going to have a temper tantrum. That is a, that is a very good analogy of what's going on right now. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody or picking on oh. any signs, but it's almost exactly what is going on right now. There's people, pro, peaceful protesters, yes. and there's people who are just really shouldn't be there. And, but they're also too, they don't know how to deal with it. They don't have the tools to communicate what's going on and what's wrong and and open up a dialogue. And that's exactly what you, you hit it on the nail. Bang, right on the nail. Well, and I think that's it. We see two sides of the fence. You see those who have tools, those who can peacefully protest because they've had the ability to find ways that are helpful and meaningful to be able to impact change. And there are those that haven't had that. And they're in the community where there's been trauma and trauma and loss and grief. And they're just, I can't handle anymore. And they it's destructive. And grief can be destructive. And if we do not work through our grief, Joe, it impacts our mental health, our physical health, and our spiritual health. Close to 80% of the people in counseling and in coaching are dealing with complicated grief, Joe, because they didn't deal with something earlier and now something else has happened and something else. And I would venture to say, having done this for as long as I have, I would venture to say 100% of Counseling and coaching is really all about some essence of loss in life that needs to be dealt with, and you're grieving. Oh wow! What what kind of what kind of effects on your health would it have? Like like what would it do? Um, well, I can tell you, my husband was running before Sterling passed. His legs just—I mean—they started hurting. He couldn't run. Breathing. You people who are grieving, they stop breathing. They literally stop inhaling, and they find themselves holding their breath. I've even had people who have said to me, I'll wake up at night gasping for air because you're just, and so one of the things that we do in the Stroll and Rose Sanctuary is we do the five, six, seven, and it's inhale slowly for five seconds, hold your breath for six and exhale for seven because we're trying to get people to do deep breathing again. And what happens when you're not deep breathing, you're holding in more toxins in your body. So then that affects all your vital organs, Joe. <laughs> and then if you're not eating well, because quite often with grief, we feel nauseous, we either overeat or we undereat. So healthy, clean eating is important. And we talk about the importance of that. But you'll see many people have aches and pains, physical aches and real aches and pains from grieving. And it's not uncommon that some of them have to go to the doctors and they'll be going through testing and stuff. And Doctors will ask, well, let's ask what's going on. And they'll say, well, this is, you're grieving. And let us help you kind of get through this grieving with maybe A, B, or C. But this is, the body takes the toll. And if you don't have those tools, the body's taking the toll. That's interesting too. Also, um, 
the, the sanctuary. What is the sanctuary? How was that founded? How did that come about? Well, after Sterling passed, within a year, people started recognizing some of the tools, some of the things, and some of the ways our family uh, happened to be coping with his loss. And I would get a phone call and they would say, would you mind? I've got a family who just had a child commit suicide. Could you talk to them? I've got a friend whose child just passed in a car accident. I've got this. And I'm like, that's fine. And I would talk. And in the process, uh, I guess within about a year and a half after that, I went, I used to do counseling stuff and I had started getting my life coaching. And then I got my trauma, I mean, my grief coaching. And then I got my trauma and the Lord really showed that he wants hope and healing for all that are grieving in this land. And to do that, there's a place to do that. And so we are fundraising for a sanctuary because people are like, why do people need to go to a place? And I'll tell you why. Once you lose a child, color becomes black and white. And if you notice my backdrop, I've got something colorful because we have to find the beauty in the broken. And we want the sanctuary to be that beauty in the broken where people can come for a reset, where they're removed from the triggers. Because unfortunately, Joe, we've had so many don't know if you're aware, but last year, the second leading cause of death from the ages of 10 to 35 was suicide. Wow. And a lot of those parents, those children were living in their homes. Oh, wow. I knew, I knew this. And then also, I know the suicide is the leading cause of men, too. Men, uh, fathers, too, like that. And it just, it's, um, oh, wow. That's, I didn't realize, I didn't realize what you said, but I, I knew the suicide rate for men were pretty high, too. Well, and so to remove them from that, and so what our envision is, is kind of like the Ronald McDonald House, but this is people who have sustained that loss, and they're grieving uh, a child, a sibling, a grandchild, where the family unit can come together, stay in a place, we will not stay with them, we'll enter in at different times, and we will come in and give them tools and resources, and help them build that bridge where there are barriers within the husband-wife relationship, helping them know how to talk with their children from various ages. And we have therapeutic music and art. And we envision, you know, outside being able to plant and walk the grounds and have some animals and things for healing. Because all of those things incorporate beauty back in where we're very broken. And we need to have that. And it needs to be in a place that can fuel color back in their lives. So if we can get them out of those trigger places, remove them from their homes for a little bit of time, then they can go back with something in their hands, something in their minds and something in their hearts ready to kind of activate and do. Well, it's interesting to talk about some place to bring back, you know, get the family back together and stuff like that. Going through the trauma and trauma, the parents, the mother and the father, because I mean, that must make a bunch of stress on, on both parents. And I, I would think it would push them apart a little bit. How, how would they deal with that? Because that's a, that's a really tough time. Quite often, the loss of a child leads to divorce and further, uh, further estrangement to divorce, unfortunately. That's one of the reasons we want to be part of the solution to this problem. I don't know that a much, much, as much attention has been given to it through the years um, because it's kind of not had the attention uh, that's needed. And, and like I said, with the growing suicide rate, which we're seeing it increase again because of COVID. It needs to be looked at and it needs to be addressed in ways that that we can do it healthily for a husband and wife. A mom and a dad lose different things in their children. 
a mom loses that child that she has nurtured and has has loved as a mom and and done the things as in the in the characteristics of a mom a dad loses that provisionary and protection and i can tell you the protection role is huge my husband also as a light, uh, grief and trauma coach he he just kept going over and over well if i had done this to the car if i'd done that because as a father he felt he was not able to protect and he failed his job. And I kept going in and said, you didn't fail your job. We could have done all of those things. And my, my true belief is our days are numbered, just like scripture tells us. Mm-hmm. And we cannot alter that day. And so it wouldn't have mattered all the things that we would have done differently. But the mind, I just feel like that's a torment. And you were talking mental, mental health here. Mm-hmm. So if I believe that lie. That's going to lead me down a very spiraling path of a very deep hole. So with that being said, a husband and wife are so busy, I believe, trying to do them again. And then we've, if we've got children in the midst, and depending on the ages of the children, it can become a hot mess. And I think, Joe, one of the things to point out, men and women not only grieve differently, but they some are internal grievers and some are external grievers. Well, as much as I enjoy talking, I was an internal griever. That means I processed everything internally. I went to the Lord. I literally dialogued with him over this. And I mean, did some did tools that we suggest in the sanctuary, whether people are believers or not, they're tools that are essential and they're helpful. And my husband was an external and wanted to talk out loud everything that that came to his mind. Well, we literally had to sit down. And my son, I had a son that was an external, the 12-year-old, and my daughter was internal. So we finally had to sit down and have a family meeting. And I said, look, we want to respect each other, but there's too much external conversation. And maybe that needs counseling at this point. Because my daughter and I, we're hearing this all the time. And we're trying to also process our own grief. So we had those very real conversations, put some boundaries. And you know what one of the boundaries was? You may not bring this up after nine o'clock at night. No discussions after nine. The boundaries are important. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are very important. And we have a whole list of boundaries that we give for grievers, because I'm not sure if you're aware either. But 90% of the people who are in grief are taken advantage of financially. Oh no, that's not good either. Wrapping up final thoughts, anyone leave or think we might've missed? Well, I just, I just want the audience to know that we can embrace our grief in healthy ways. And we do use that acronym and embrace means to enter it, to mourn. It means to breathe, respond instead of reacting, and then to accept today's reality. Today's reality is all we're dealing with. And then to create ways to express how you can honor, respect, and memorialize your loved ones. And then lastly, evolve into the new you. Don't be afraid of it. There'll be beauty in it. Also, where they can connect, where they can find you, any more questions or reach out to you? Yes, um, we are listed under www.thesterlingrosesanctuary.us. Also, we have a phone number, 
6662. And it is a 501c3. So it is a resource for anyone who needs these tools. And we'd love to be there to walk with them. All links and the phone number will be in the show notes. Masha, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it and I enjoy the conversation. Well, thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it too. Wrapping up this episode, I want to thank Masha Earhart for being on the podcast today. You can find more about her over at the Sterling Rose Sanctuary.us. You also, you'll find this in the show notes, but I'll tell you anyways. She always gave me a phone number if you want to reach out and find out more about what they do there. Or if you're going through some serious um, times right now, the phone number is 239-571-6662. Don't worry about that. That'll be in the show notes. You can find all the links in the show notes over at nosittingonthesideline.com slash 99. Hey, please reach out and comment if you have any questions or just say hello. I listened to the podcast and I thought it was a great episode and it's very helpful. You can find all my information, contact information of nosittingonthesideline.com dot com slash contact final thoughts this is kind of the ones that um kind of hits home with me a little bit me today too and um dealing with my grief mom actually two things well first dealing with my mom it was kind of my mom passed it was kind of you know had four or five months get you know leading up to it and stuff like that and cancer and stuff and slowly watch her um wither away was not a fun thing to do and the night she did pass and it was kind of strange, but it was like it was over. You know, being the, the son who usually takes care of things, so it was like a business. It was like a business thing. I had to get her, I had to, you know, make arrangements and stuff like that. It was all business, you know, to the burial, to the, the church, everything. So we really didn't have time to really think about my grief. And not until like maybe a couple weeks later that um, I had to deal with it. Catching you, by, catch you by surprise sometimes. Because, you know, dealing with the grief part of it is I know she's not there anymore, so I can't call her. It was like a weird wall. I guess one of those things you don't know until you experience it. It's a different kind of feeling. Because, you know, it's not like you're two friends and you don't talk to each other, but that person's still around. You can call up and say hello. No, they're not here. So that took a while to deal with. Also, like, I'm a divorced dad. I went through a divorce. So dealing with a loss of a marriage can be bring a lot of grief and heartache too. You know, it's funny, not funny, haha, funny, but interesting funny, is I had a friend. She lost her mom at 19. And I know that it, it carried through her whole life. And still probably dealing, um, I would say yes, I wouldn't say probably, she probably still is. Because it never goes away. It never goes away. I want to say thank you for listening to this episode. You know, this is a really tough one to talk about grief. And if, if you need help, reach out for professional help, counselors, even contact the Sterling Road Sanctuary, or have somebody you want your friends to talk to. Let them know you need somebody to talk to, because don't do it alone. Because, man, it's not easy. It's not easy. Until next time, give your kids a hug. Tell them how much you love them. Or even call a friend and say, hey, I miss you. I'm glad you're still here. Can we have grab a coffee or a lunch or just say, just call them. Now we're doing Zoom. <laughs> Until next time, give your kids a hug. Tell them how much you love them. God bless. Take care. See ya.